everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is caught for a touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Come on, boy, boy, can you get it up? Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In segment two, it's our Sports Business Radio headlines of the week. Lots of big headlines. Someone in Los Angeles getting a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Who is it? We'll tell you. Also, coming up in segments three and four, Tony Ponturo. He's the CEO of the New York-based sports and entertainment consulting firm Ponturo Management Group. Tony spent 26 years at Anheuser-Busch leading their sports marketing efforts. He created their Super Bowl ads. He is going to take us inside the business of advertising and sports, and he's also going to break down how you produce a Super Bowl ad and answer many of the questions that I'm sure all of us always have about Super Bowl ads. That's coming up in segments three and four. Tony Pontero, you're not going to want to miss that conversation. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Look for the iTunes icon. Become our Facebook friend or follow me on Twitter. I'm at SB Radio. Brian Griggs, our executive producer. Two defensive players playing in the Super Bowl with flowing manes have endorsement deals that we'll talk about next in headlines, but uh, I guess it pays to have big hair. I guess it doesn't. You know, it was big time in the 80s, so it looks like it's coming back. (laughs) Yeah, I know. They kind (laughs) of look like Slayer or Metallica under a helmet, but uh, we'll talk about how those mains are paying off. We'll also have some other headlines for you coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is SBR. Back with more after this. Perfection, mommy, you gleaming. Inception, you got a brother dreaming, dreaming. Damn, baby, I'm fiending. I'm trying to holler at you, I'm screaming. Let me love you down this evening. Love it, love it, yeah, you know you are my demon. Girl, we can form a team, and I could be the king, you could be the queen, and my mind's dirty and it don't need cleaning. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
It's time, baby. Special news bulletin. At Sports Business Radio, we're always on top of what's happening in the world of sports. And each week, we break down the stories you need to know about. This is Headlines. I want to be in the headlines. On Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio headlines brought to you by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit WarsawCenter.com for more information. Headline number one, the AFC and NFC Championship game telecast last weekend averaged 53.4 million viewers on CBS and Fox, marking the most viewed conference championship Sunday games since 1982. Astonishing number numbers, Griggs. And, you know, the thing that's interesting is you go back to 1982, that game between the Niners and the Cowboys, a 42.9 rating, 60 million viewers back in 1982. These games second only to that game. Some pretty big numbers. Yeah, they were huge numbers. And, you know, I kind of expected it with the certain teams that were involved. You just, it was setting up to be some great games and big numbers. And, you know, I was flipping, watching them all. I was there the whole time. Try these numbers on for size, according to our friend Darren Ravel at CNBC. The Bears-Packers had 51.9 million viewers. Fox, CNN, and MSNBC combined drew 10.4 million viewers for this week's State of the Union address. That tells you, are we paying attention to sports or politics? It's not even close. <laughs> that is awesome. I hadn't read that yet, but that is just classic because, and you know why that people want the Super Bowl on their network. I mean, it's unbelievable, and and not the Super Bowl, but the you know NFC FC championship games. Crazy. Well, and Fox is already sold out of all of their thirty second spots for the Super Bowl, and you're paying two point three to three million dollars for a thirty second spot this year. It's big business. Our next headline: staying in the NFL. Lots of rhetoric this week between the players and the owners and the commissioner about the collective bargaining agreement. It expires in March. One of the people talking this week, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, he said he's going to cut his salary to $1 if there's a work stoppage. Now, Goodell makes $10 million a year, including bonuses, and he said in a memo to his staff on Wednesday that Chief Negotiator Jeff Posh, he's going to do the same. He makes nearly $5 million a year. So these guys are trying to put their money where their mouth is, and we'll see. March 4th is the day the collective bargaining agreement expires. Lots of talk this week, including from Antonio Cromartie of the New York Jets. He doesn't like what's going on on either side. To tell you the truth, they need to get their damn minds together and just get done. Uh, and stop about money. Uh, money. Money ain't nothing. And money can be something that can be here and gone. Us as players, we just want to go out and just play football. I don't give a damn if they get mad at me or I will not. But it, it, it's getting to a point when it's getting ridiculous, when it's, everything is always dealing with money. I mean, you got our head union reps acting like a and they got they, they guys acting like them. So just need to get it together and just get it done. That's Antonio Cromartie of the New York Jets. He's saying, hey, we just got to get something done. Things are always about money. And he's kind of right. And he's kind of echoing, Griggs, what the fans feel. Look. The NFL is a $9 billion industry. Figure it out. Get it done. I want my NFL games next year. I don't want to read in the papers about you guys arguing every day. Stop talking, start meeting, and get it done. 
you know, he's not the most well-spoken, eloquent guy in the world, but I think people get his gist. I think so, and like you said, I think it's like what the fan, I think that's what a fan would say. I mean, he, like you said, it's probably not the best way to do it, but he's getting the message out, to the, out there, this is how we're feeling. We want to play ball. Let's get it taken care of. Part of the battle here in the NFL and the NBA, who's going to be going through their own battle pretty soon, the PR battle. So the NFL Players Association, they're unveiling 30 and 60 second commercial spots showing what the NFL lockout could look like. This is according to the Sports Business Journal. The ads are going to air this week. They're also going to be on the union's website if you want to check those out. But the spot opens with a lock on a gate. The camera scans empty football stadiums and locker rooms, and it features the tagline, let us play from the players. A lot of times in these situations, people side with the owners. They say those players are greedy and things like that. I got to tell you, when it comes to the NFL, I side with the players. They're playing with non-guaranteed contracts. They're playing in a barbaric sport where the lifespan of the player is short. I think they shouldn't be moving to an 18-game season because it's two more games for people to get hurt. We saw the concussions and everything this year. And finally... An owner, maybe the most respected owner in all of the NFL, Dan Rooney, the longtime owner of the Steelers, came out this week, and he said, I don't think we should add two more games to the schedule, so maybe some people will listen to him. Our next headline, two big endorsement deal this week. First, Eagles quarterback Michael Vick has signed a two-year deal with Unequal Technologies. It's his first paid endorsement contract since his release from prison in May of 2009. This is according to the AP. The deal with Unequal Technologies, a provider of football pads that Vick wore most of last season, was announced this week. This is a big deal for Vick. Another big deal, Clay Matthews. The guy with the flowing mane, he may be Defensive Player of the Year for the Green Bay Packers and for the NFL. He signed a deal with Suave this week. So we've got Troy Polamalu for the Steelers, who has head and shoulders. Now Clay Matthews, the linebacker for the Packers, has Suave. It's going to be like the battle of the hair products leading up to the Super Bowl, Griggs. Yeah, and it's, it's different hair, as you notice. Clay's is more of a smooth hair. Yes. So that's good for Suave. And then you got Troy, who's just insane hair. So it's going to be interesting. And I, I'm interested to see if uh, Matthew's ad is more humorous or if it's going to be a more serious tech take or what they're going to do with it. We'll talk much more about the ads that are going to run on Super Bowl Sunday on our show next week leading into the Super Bowl. Our next headline. Lakers guard Kobe Bryant is going to become the first athlete to have a hand and footprint ceremony at Grauman's Chinese Theater in Hollywood. The ceremony is going to take place February 19th during NBA All-Star Weekend. This is according to the Lakers. Bryant said the ceremony will be cool. He said he's yet to visit the theater as a tourist since moving to Los Angeles. You know, I'm kind of surprised that he's the first athlete. I, I would have thought Magic Johnson or someone like that would have had a star, but I guess Kobe's the first. Yeah, that is kind of shocking. And like you said, I thought it would have been, you know, Dr. J, somebody else that had been in the league for so long and legacy. But hey, it's cool for Kobe. It should be interesting to see how it goes down. On our show last week, I played audio for you of some of my favorite press conferences with some tremendous sound bites. This week, I think maybe was my favorite interview that an athlete has done this year. This is Li Na, the Chinese tennis player, who's the first Chinese woman to ever make it to a Grand Slam of the finals of a Grand Slam tennis event. You made tennis history today. You've become the first Chinese player to ever make a final of a Grand Slam in the singles. 
and I'm so happy I can be the first Chinese player to come to the final, you know. I always do the first one. <laughs> so tell us about the match. You, you seem to be a little nervous, a little restricted for a time out there. Yeah, I mean, of course, every like semi-final, of course, was a little nervous. You know, because I didn't have a good evening last night, my husband sleep like, <laughs> like this, you know. <laughs> So you save the match point, you pull through the second set. What got you through the, the third set, even though you had, didn't have a lot of sleep last night? Close my you know. Today, though, is also a special day because it's your fifth wedding anniversary as well. On our media notes, it says it's today. It's 27th, yeah? because she gets too nervous. Do you think she might come over for the final on Saturday? No, I think she should prefer staying at home, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll ask her many times, I say, please come with me. No, no, I have my life. I didn't want to come with you. Okay, now, congratulations, and we'll see you on Saturday night. That's Lee Na after the Australian Open semifinal match. And, you know, I've always said tennis players need to show more personality, some great personality there from Lee Na from China. And watch this. I tweeted this out this week. Will the Australian Open with Lee Na from China, which has billions of people, have a larger global audience on TV than Super Bowl 45. Keep your eye on that. Coming up next, Tony Ponturo. He was an executive for 26 years at Anheuser-Busch. He led their advertising efforts. He's going to tell us about sports marketing. He's also going to take us inside the production, the creative, everything you want to know about a Super Bowl ad. That's coming up next with Tony Ponturo. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. More of the show is coming up. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events. 
would feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. My guest is Tony Ponturo. He's the founder and CEO of the New York-based sports and entertainment consulting firm Ponturo Management Group. Tony spent 26 years at Anheuser-Busch in St. Louis, leading a team that built one of the most iconic sports and event marketing brands in the world. Tony, thanks so much for joining us this week on Sports Business Radio. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. So, Tony, many people who listen to this show, they want to work in the sports business. And I read where you started off as a page at NBC. Maybe you can share with us your path from being a page at NBC to where you are today. Well, you know, you know, after college and I went to Villanova University, I, I was very intrigued to see how I could get involved in sports and the media. And so uh, and then I learned very quickly like a lot of young people do even today, that it's, it's not necessarily that easy. Of course, back then, what has been built over the last 30 years, you know, sports marketing almost didn't exist. But uh, so I got into NBC as a page just to learn a little bit the business and get to meet people. And then I actually went to go work for advertising agencies in New York and work on the media side and interface with the television networks. And in those very early days, it was the beginnings of, you know, ESPN and Ted Turner putting the Atlanta Braves on WTBS and, and really the start of the explosion of satellite television, um, you know, which certainly started to bring, you know, sports to, you know, a, not so much a wider group, but more options to do it. And then worked uh, for the ad agency for Anheuser-Busch and, and, was tapped on the shoulder to say, you know, this was, you know, 1982, to say, let's, you know, come be a part of, you know, the marketing department of Anheuser-Busch. We're going to be very aggressive with sports, and let's go build something to obviously help sell beer, but also really use the sports fan and sports marketing in order to do it. And uh, the next thing I knew, 26 years went by, so it was a, wow. a pretty amazing ride. That is an amazing ride. I've read where Anheuser-Busch had budgets in the $700 million range. So when you're sitting down every year, Tony, and you're deciding, how do we want to spend that money to promote the AB brand through sports, what did that process look like? Well, you first wanted to really understand you know, beyond just your own instinct and gut, you know, that a beer consumer was was very interested in sports, but get as much research as you could as to where some of the passions were. I mean, the one thing that Anheuser-Busch did really early on was understand the local team sponsorship, you know, the team in your home market, because, you know, a lot of the headlines are always, you know, Super Bowls, which is appropriate for this time, and World Series and Olympics, and that they're all very important. But the real start, I think, of all of us as sports fans is our local team, whether it's, you know, St. Louis Cardinals in St. Louis or the Yankees or, the, you know, the Green Bay Packers and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, and so we went in and really um, spent time understanding that sort of emotion of the fan and, and buying sponsorships in that area. You know, over time, things like the ESPN poll started to research and said, okay, here's where 
the male 21 to 34 spending their time. And you see very quickly, you know, things like the NFL, things like college football, you know, baseball, you know, down the line and sort of ranking are clearly where people spend their time. Uh, and then from a broadcast standpoint, the television ratings quickly tell you what's popular to the demographic uh, that, that you're interested in as well. We've got the Super Bowl coming up. Anheuser-Busch has always been very active in that space. You know, Tony, there's a lot of debate every year about the effectiveness of a Super Bowl ad versus the cost. For a company like Anheuser-Busch, a few million dollars for a Super Bowl spot, not a lot of money. But for other companies, it could be most of their yearly marketing budget. If you were advising a company today about whether or not to purchase a Super Bowl ad, kind of what criteria are you going to use to advise them? Well, the first thing you want to do is, and you make a good point, you don't want to, you know, as attractive as it is, you don't want to spend your whole marketing budget right. in one day. But, but the positives of someone trying to, first of all, you know, build brand awareness that, that, you know, especially in today's environment, you know, there's so much clutter, there's so much options that we all have as consumers from the broad breadth of satellite television to now the whole internet and digital space. So how do you sort of, you know, cut through all of that? And any advertiser has to play in that space. But if you can actually get the consumer in one day and reach 50% of your, of your essentially consumer base um, and where the viewer is actually talking about the commercials, you know, that's a pretty amazing way to, to sort of, you know, stand above the crowd. Now, you better come with a very good creative execution. And that's why some people get a little nervous because it's such a bright light. Uh, and no one wants to say, well, we spent all this money, but on the various commercial polls, you're in the bottom, you know, 25% quartile of, of consumer, you know, sort of reaction and impact. And then that can be wasted, you know, you know be perceived as, wa as wasted money. Is there a formula, you know, you're spending this year 2.3 to $3 million on a 30-second ad, so you're spending that amount. Is there a formula that ad agencies and companies use to produce the ad? So, okay, I'm spending that amount of money. I need to spend at least a million dollars to produce this ad to make sure it's a good ad. Well, you definitely want a good ad, but it doesn't necessarily parallel that it has to be a lot of money. One of the things that Anheuser-Busch learned, not that you know, there weren't some ads that were very expensive, but that humor played very well. And with the Bud Light brand, particularly, could use humor and fun, and that sort of cuts through, um, you know, a, a big emotional game like the Super Bowl, and also cuts through Super Bowl parties and other things, because people are sort of looking to be entertained, and so humor can, can be a big step to do that. What the advertisers are learning, though, is how do you extend that investment on top of a good commercial? How do you bring things to the digital space? You know, how do you, um, you know, get talk value for your commercial beyond just the game? One of the great things we used to do or talk about is that for about, you know, from this point forward to the Super Bowl, there were a lot of stories about the commercials and what was going on and what could people expect. And then there was about another three days after the Super Bowl where you, the conversation would continue. And so that PR value 
was was almost equal to what the actual cost of the commercials were, and that was you know something that you couldn't get with normal media. Yeah, you bring up a great point, and it's something that we've all noticed in the last few years via the internet and now social media. People are leaking their ads a little bit early. What do you think of that strategy? I think it's a good one. I mean, it's a way to start creating some excitement or anticipation. Um, you know, I watched you know the championship games, the NFC and AFC games, and noticed that Budweiser actually ran these 15-second spots that were teasing. It was like to be continued on February 6th, which is obviously the Super Bowl date. So they were almost doing the commercial, quite frankly, didn't mean anything to anybody, you know, other than you saw, you know, a Budweiser bottle, a, a second one had the Clydesdales running sort of in what I would call a a, a western desert mountainous sort of area. <laughs> but it didn't really tell any story other than it was a tease to say, you know, start to build the anticipation for, for, for um, uh, February 6th. We did something sort of interesting after the famous, you know, Janet Jackson, Timberlake sort of oh, yes. exposure. The next year we created a commercial that sort of, sort of played off that a little bit with some fun and then sort of let it be known, you know, the commercial that the networks wouldn't allow us to do but you can come see it on, you know, Budweiser.com or, and, you know, and, 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 you know and, and sort of do some of the other viral kind of things that you can do on the digital space as well. So the more, to your point, the more talk value, the more exposure, the more anticipation uh, you can do, it just starts making that investment, you know, more efficient. So the Clydesdales, obviously very recognizable for the Anheuser-Busch brand, but what's your thought on utilizing big-name celebrities for ads? We've seen Justin Timberlake. I see Justin Bieber is going to be in an ad this year. What do you think about utilizing big stars and tying them to your brand for this one big Super Bowl spot? Well, it, it allows an advertiser. Now, we didn't do a lot of it at Anheuser-Busch, and quite frankly, we did very little of it. But if you're the brand, whatever that brand is, and let's take Sony who has been using, you know, Peyton Manning with some commercials and has used Justin Timberlake as well. You're basically making a judgment of you want to create, a, you know, a higher image than you may perceive that your brand has standing alone or that the commercial needs a little bit more impact than what you feel you can do without any kind of celebrity. When you start to bring Peyton Manning in and you bring Justin Timberlake, you're bringing their image into the alliance of the brand that you're doing and they're saying okay Peyton Manning is quality he gets it done on the field he's reliable he's durable and those are all things I guess if you're a Sony product you want projected and then with Justin Timberlake you're saying I'm relevant I'm contemporary I'm stylish and that's what he brings so you're you're allowing these celebrities and the image that they've done on their own as being you know, performers or athletes and trying to get that rub off onto the brand that you're trying to sell. More of my conversation with Tony Ponturo coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. 
Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. I thought you did a wonderful job of handling the game ball situation. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience? It probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus, even though you don't think there's any other view that makes sense. My guest is Jack Nicholas. What are the main lessons the game of golf can teach us if we pay close enough attention? You develop relationships with people. I think you play 18 holes of golf with somebody. You get to know them pretty well. We're joined by Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the BCS. What we want is for the best two teams to play in the championship game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it's really fair to say what's good for the BCS or what's, or what's bad for the BCS. Follow us at sportsbusinessradio.com and on Twitter at SB Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. Back to my conversation with Tony Pontero, the founder and CEO of the New York-based sports and entertainment consulting firm, the Pontero Management Group. Tony spent 26 years at Anheuser-Busch. Tony, when you're getting ready for a Super Bowl ad, for people out there wondering, okay, how far in advance do you start working on the creative? When do you have to turn in the ad to the censors? How does that process work? That process really starts uh, in the early fall. You know, call it, uh, you know, you know, late September, early October. Because what you what you're doing now with Anheuser Busch, you know, in those days and they still today had five minutes of advertising. So that's call it ten thirty second commercials. So that was a lot to prepare for. You know, if you're another advertiser that has one or two, but still the timing should be about the same. And what you're doing is. You know, what brands are you interested in? What's the strategy? You're talking to your ad agencies to say, okay, let's let's position some creative based on what we're trying to say about the brand, you know, today or what you're going to try to say about the brand, in this case, February 6th. And then you start putting them to work with storyboards, creative ideas. You then make your decision. You then go out and shoot those commercials. And what we did at Anheuser-Busch is probably shoot you know if we needed 10 commercials we probably shot 16 to 18 commercials so that you would have something to pick from now that was a bit of a luxury but what you would do those that didn't quite make the super bowl cut were still still very good in order to play for the rest of the year so it's not like they were you know thrown out and never used and then we did extensive research focus groups where you would go in and test the commercials um, as to the reaction to the consumer base, were they were they saying what you wanted to say? What you know, what was what was the the quality value or the humor value, or just were you saying the right thing about the brand? And then then you have to get them to the to the to the television network for for approval, and then to get into the whole cycle. The networks have been all very generous over the years because there there have been years over those 26 years or 22 years I think where we actually were exclusive on the Super Bowl where you were probably sliding in a commercial almost you know that Friday before you know so it goes all the way down to the deadline because they know how much money you're spending and and you're trying to make things you know as perfect as you can okay so there's all the commercial slots during the game explain to our audience how that works do you get to say okay I want the second spot in the first quarter or I want the last spot in the fourth quarter before the post game show do you get to pick your spots it's become it's it's interesting how it started because when we first got involved you know we 
part of our negotiation was we want the first spot after the kickoff, and that became a negotiated spot. We thought, okay, you know, everyone's, you know, you've had a little action, and now here's the first spot in the Super Bowl, and we always wanted that to be our spot. And that was something that we maintain, and they still maintain even today. What we then started to do is then decide, okay, how would you pace your spots out through the first, second, third, and fourth quarter? What was interesting is we started to go to the games and be in the suite watching the game with the networks to make sure everything worked okay. Um, you know, we really made a decision. You know, I never sat in the stands, not because I wanted to be in the seats or not be in the seats, but wanted to be able to see if the commercial was going to run okay, if there was any problems, and we would have our sheet of paper. Well, other advertisers and other agency people started to observe this and said, hmm, you know, maybe we should start deciding where our spots are running and how to do that. So now it's very much every spot that's purchased, there's a real negotiation that goes on to say where it's going to run and what quarter, and then it's become a little bit of a science. So nothing happens by accident on Super Bowl Sunday. Do you think it can ever be a negative to buy a spot in the fourth quarter. I mean, you know, it can kind of work either way. If it's an exciting game, it's a great spot for your advertisement to run. But if it's a blowout, you know, maybe people have walked away and they're not as interested in seeing your spot and you just spent, you know, $2.5 million for that 30 seconds. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very good point. And it's always been sort of the dilemma for the television networks because really the last five or six spots are really the, the last ones to go. And you would think, well, if it's a good game, and there's been some, you know, great endings in the last, you know, five or six years where it's the highest rating and it's, and it's uh, you, know, you know, the highest excitement level. Um, but to your point, there have been some games whereby, you know, six minutes in the fourth quarter left and the game's over and they're sort of dancing on the sidelines already, and then that's an unattractive spot. So, um so it's a balance. Uh, our philosophy had always been, you know, if we could be done by the middle of the fourth quarter, that it was sort of a long day, there was a lot going on, the consumer, the viewer was bombarded with a lot of commercials and a lot of football, and that that was sort of a nice time to sort of, you know, be done. But uh, my guess is, you know, that, that the networks have gotten smart and have, you know, created some incentives for some people to come in towards those last five or six spots uh, to make an overall package work, maybe have some commercials in the pregame or the postgame, or, of course, you know, to use their inventory across the whole network to make an overall package attractive to bring some people into that. Because I still think people overall are a little afraid of those, those last four minutes of the game, even though they could be the most exciting. Now, when you buy a Super Bowl spot today, you're getting more than just that 30 seconds on TV. You're getting tickets to the game, and you're getting some other things, right? Yeah, I mean, you are, you know, negotiating some tickets to the game. Um, you know, you're part of, you know, all the networks, you know, each year, you know, you know, inter you know bring people to the game, uh, have entertainment. You know, there's, it's the, you know, standard. There's golf events. Uh, they'll do uh, private, you know, uh, I'll call it concert or music entertainment on the Saturday night with their guests. You know, they have hospitality at a hotel. So, you know, so it's customer relations, no question. Um, and uh, um, and it's, it's really what's become, you know, part of the whole aura of the Super Bowl where it's become, you know, this major sort of, you know, business, customer, uh, service, uh, entertainment 
you know, almost, you know, four-day, five-day weekend so that, you know, the big key is to, you know, get to Super Bowl Sunday with, without, uh, you know, being too worn out. Uh, but, uh, um, but it, you know, it's, it's a lot of business gets done. And, and what's really important about business, or we always felt that Anheuser-Busch, is relationship building was very important and getting to know people because if you were in a negotiation and things got heated from time to time, if you really had that a little bit more of a friendly personal relationship that would that would help you know sort of allow you to get through sort of a difficult process tony usa today has their ad meter award it goes to the company that they feel produced the best super bowl spot anheuser-busch while you were there dominated that award how much attention to the companies pay to the ad meter is that a real validation for your company or do people not really pay that much attention to it no, unfortunately, probably everybody pays too much attention to it because it's such a public forum. And, you know, when you think about an advertiser, you know, they're they're not only conscientious of the consumer themselves, but their employee base, the morale, and the financial community, you know, and people that, you know, may not spend that much time with your brand other than, you know, this sort of period of time. So, uh, and and those that are working on the you know advertising agencies and brand managers who have worked hard with their commercial that it's sort of a you know a reward to say look what we've done and you know for our team which I think was at least six or seven years in a row where it was the number one spot you can only imagine the pressure that that is but at the end of the day what you have to really try to say to yourself so we tried to do that over the years is if this is a good commercial and it ultimately is going to run for the next three or four months say after the Super Bowl if it sells beer then then you've done your job so so maybe it wasn't the most popular on Super Bowl Sunday day from a poll but at the end of the day if it's effective to the consumer base to sell your product then 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 you should be satisfied We've seen more companies like Doritos have contests where uh, fans can create the ads. What do you think about fan-created ads, and how do the ad agencies and the people who sit in your seat feel about, wow, you know, what if this ad that was created by a fan beats my ad, and I just spent all this money on my ad? Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm sure. You know, but they're, you know, the, the, the advertiser along with the agencies created what I'll call almost the marketing gimmick. Anyway, so they sort of put their, themselves into that spotlight, you know, on their own sort of fruition, you know, that, that, that they've decided that this could get talk value, get the consumers interested in the spot. Sort of what we talked about earlier is have this, you know, how long can I extend the talk value of the Super Bowl so that if you have a consumer sweepstakes, put a commercial together, we'll review it, then you probably now have a three or four month program that's talking about the Super Bowl and getting your consumer base interested versus that one day where people see the spot. So it's it's a form of extending your marketing investment and and extending the name of the Super Bowl uh, that these things make a lot of sense. Tony, just a few minutes left. I know you've been working on a lot of things at the Pontero Management Group since you left Anheuser-Busch. One is the play Lombardi on Broadway. It's been uh, widely hailed as a terrific play. Tell us how you got involved in that and maybe some of the other things you're working on. Yeah, no, we're real proud of it. Um, when I left Anheuser-Busch, I got involved uh, in, in a show called Hair, which was a revival, and met one of the producers there, Fran Kermzer, 
And we started talking about, you know, to do, you know, something different in the Broadway community, theater community, and work together as producers. And through that, came up with the idea of Lombardi. We had both read David Marinus's book, When Pride Still Mattered, uh, which was, you know, really an amazing biography of Lombardi. And, you know, coming from a sports background at Anheuser-Busch, realizing the breadth of the Super Bowl and how big it is, and the fact that Vince Lombardi's name's on the Super Bowl trophy, in fact, you know, it's the Lombardi trophy, you know, how many people particularly, you know, younger people know the story of this man and, you know, the Packers won the first two Super Bowls and, and really started a tradition. So um, so we developed the show. Uh, we're currently on Broadway. Um, and, of course, we struck a little lightning in the bottle with uh, the Packers getting in the Super Bowl. Yeah, no kidding. You continue it. So it's, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's what's what's great about it in the sense of, the, you know, the story is not only the success of a team, but what it takes to be successful in any business and in life, and it's the balance, and it's the hard work, and it's the discipline. You know, and I saw it on the corporate side, a lot of young people, they, they sort of like, I want your job, and you just need to say, you may get there someday, but it's hard work, and you're going to put in your dues and build that foundation, because to really do things well, there's not really a shortcut, and that's the one thing that Lombardi was, you know, he didn't go to the Green Bay Packers till he was 47 years old, um, and then created this this dynasty in the last part of his life, and unfortunately died at 57. So, uh, so we just thought it was an amazing story to tell. And, you know, the other things are just to, you know, be out there and still be a good observer of what's going on in sports and and uh, and, and really a consumer base. And uh, Fran and I are working on some other projects. Uh, from the producing side, so uh, we got our hands full, but it's uh, it, it, it's it's fun to take a little bit what I've sort of lived with for 26 years at Anheuser Busch and put a different spin on it from a from a entertainment standpoint, if you will. Well, you can find Tony and his group online at PonturoManagement.com. Tony's also on Twitter at Ponturo. I follow him. Tony, next time I'm out in New York, I'd love to meet you face to face. I'd love to come to Lombardi. I hear it's terrific. And uh, I really have wanted to have you on Sports Business Radio for a long time. So I enjoyed this conversation. Thank well, you. I appreciate it. And definitely let me know and be our guest and come see a great show. Thanks, Tony. Have a great Super Bowl and uh, continued success to you. Thank you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common. Good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, We'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, 
Visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. A major benefactor to the University of Connecticut wants the school to return $3 million in donations and remove his family name from its football complex because he says he was shut out of discussions about the selection of a new football coach. Robert Burton, who is the chief executive officer of Burton Capital Management, said in a January 19th letter to University of Connecticut Athletic Director Jeff Hathaway that his opinions were ignored. He did not support the way Paul Pascaloni was selected as coach. He said in the letter, this was a slap in the face and it's an embarrassment to my family. Griggs, how much say should donors like this have in the hiring of a coach? Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of weird because I don't I don't understand the kind of money, so it's like to me to me it seems awkward. It's like I don't think they should have that say because you know it just seems weird to me. They're not part of the university per se, even though they're giving so much money. I don't know. I, I don't agree with it, but that's my two cents. It's an interesting debate. We'll have it on another show, but we've seen you know Phil Knight has influence at University of Oregon. Uh, we know that Mr. Pickett has a lot of influence at Oklahoma State, so obviously this gentleman wants to have a little bit more respect at the University of Connecticut. A lot of thank yous on our show this week. Our guest, Tony Ponturo, fantastic conversation with him. Everything you want to know and more about sports marketing and Super Bowl advertising, you can hear that conversation on demand if you missed it at sportsbusinessradio.com. Our show staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Jared Melzer, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zang. Our sponsors, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, Kalkoff Bikes, and New School Media Coaching. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com, click on the podcast page, or look for the iTunes icon. I'm on Twitter, at SB Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a fantastic week, and thanks for listening to Sports Business Radio. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes, 
and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio.